This is the Russian dynamite Masha Slamovich. Becca here. This is not America's sweetheart Davian. It's Billy Starks and the super fly guy Trayvon Jordan. This is the fly side flyer Jalen Brandon. Hardcore princess Jules Malone. Hi there, this is the bubblegum princess Alexia Nicole. This is the Brazilian Wonder Woman Christy Jane. This is the baddest black belt Chennai Kai. This is Kid Bandit. The smash hit Joel Bateman. This is Robin Renegade. Cody Hawk. Brutal Bob Evans. And you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, that stiff robo-ginger Gary J, and you're listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling With Entertainment, the only audio experience on the web today. Interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Tuesday and Wednesday on YouTube and Taskbox, sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. I am, of course, your host, James J, playing solo today. But it is still a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the stiff Robo Ginger, Gary Fucking J. Wow, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty badass introduction. You should definitely give yourself a pat on the back for that. It is I. I I am on this show to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, how about we talk about what you've got coming up next, Gary? Uh, well, what i got going on next is uh, I will be in Texas this Friday for uh, Red River in Bedford, Texas, and I am uh, fighting Moonshine Mantel. That'll be fun. And then I got to hop in the car and haul my ass to Chicago for Freelance Underground. So that's my weekend at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. And oh, uh, yeah. for more dates and everything pertaining to you, social media, merchandise, uh, where can we find you? Uh, if you want anything to do with my merchandise, which I greatly appreciate anybody that has bought my merchandise or is thinking about buying my merchandise, it is always amazing to find out that people actually care about me uh you go to fullygimmick.com and then check out in the search bar gary uh the search bar gary j and then if you want to uh check out my social media like you said uh my twitter's at stiff robo ginger that's a uh play off a robocop reference from the 90s and then my instagram is unsigned you don't care 85 and then my facebook if people still get on that occasionally is gary j j a y so that's where you can find out all the happenings with this guy. All right. And all of those links to all your social media and merchandise will be in the description of the video below. Uh, no need to go looking for it. Just simply click the link. You will be on that page. Awesome. Now, um, let's get right into it. Um, the one thing that really stuck out to me is you competed for Limitless for the first time this year. Uh, and there was a world title. It was a title match against maybe one of the most um, talked about independent wrestlers right now. What did that mean to you? Uh, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, I will have to give credit to where credit is due. Uh, Alec Price is a badass. Uh, that, that kid's good, and yeah, he's just getting better. So, like, I've known about him for a while because I was doing Uncharted Territory, I think, season two. I was there for a little bit, and he was just actually working camera and helping out when he could. Oh, wow. And then a couple of years later, I, I come back to the East Coast for uh, Wrestle Open, Grind, and uh, I believe it was, uh, it wasn't Limitless, it was uh, their sister company, Let's Wrestle, that's where I actually fought him. Uh, I did that loop, and then I got the opportunity to get in the room with Alex, and you know, I've known him a long time, actually, like... I believe one of the first times I was down to Beyond, he was driving me around, and I believe we had Denny's together, and we talked a lot about like the business and stuff like that. So, like to get in there with a competitor like him who was at that level, but then you got to realize, in his eyes, he was getting in the ring with someone at a bigger level than him because you know I am who I am. So it was but, pretty badass. That's awesome. Is uh, more limitless in your future? Uh, hopefully. Uh, you never say never in the world of professional wrestling. At the moment, my schedule is, like, super busy, so once the dates line up, I'm sure I'll make my, uh, my, my face will pop back up there. It yeah. just went in, you know, it's a timing thing and a scheduling thing. Yeah, 
yeah, we gotta get that rematch. Oh, I'm all for it. Anywhere, anytime. That goes for any promotion. <laughs> well, uh, can you tell us about your partner in Unsigned and Don't Care, Aaron Williams, and what's a pet peeve you just don't understand about him? Uh, pet peeve about Aaron Williams I don't understand? Yes. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, when we're together and traveling together, I'm pretty much his life coach, as in, like, Getting get him get him through airports is like you know babysitting a kid. He's he's so clueless with that stuff. So it's not really a pet peeve. It's kind of just funny at this point because I always bring it up to him. But I I don't really have a pet peeve with him other than like you know I'm his life coach at times. So I don't know if it's a pet peeve. It's just something funny that people don't know. Uh, I'd say overall though, Aaron Williams like I love to fight the guy as well. Uh, He's one of the very few people in, you know, quotations, air quotes, you can't see this, but you can see it with my hands, uh, who I actually consider a friend in wrestling and, like, a really close friend. I don't have many of those overall, but, like, he's legit generally just a good dude. And, like, to me, he's probably one of the top ten professional wrestlers in the world. And he's definitely the top professional wrestler to ever come out of Ohio. No, you know, you're primarily a singles wrestler, but it does seem like Unsigned and Don't Care is really taking off and getting some notice. Yeah, it's one of those things where it all started because we met each other, oh, many so years ago in the middle of Indiana, doing the same show once a month on a Friday, really started working a lot together. And then start talking a lot. And we have a lot of the same opinions and ideas about what professional wrestling is. Just to us and our opinions. And then we wrestled during the pandemic slash COVID era. Which, you know, COVID's still a thing. As much as people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we wrestled at like a taping for Zero One USA. And then I just taken a picture after the match with him. And posted it on my Twitter. About how, you know, you know something, something unsigned. They don't care. And it started off as a joke, and then I realized, like, we might be able to kind of create something with this, because it means something to us, because the, the whole opinion behind it is, so many people live and die in professional wrestling about signing that piece of paper, and, you know, that piece of paper is their whole work, you know, making all that money. Sure, absolutely, I love making money, and I love providing, and I love putting food on my table, but having my name on that big piece of paper isn't what I live and die by. I live and die by the audience. And I live and die by the fact that, like, I'm at the point now where my reputation speaks for itself. Yes. You ask anybody about Gary J or who Gary J is in the locker room and then in the audience, they're going to tell you the same thing. He's like, I see that guy on the card and I know I'm going to get a fucking show. Or if you see my name against me, you know, on the piece of paper, people say, you know, you're going to have to fucking level up. You have to work up to me. And, you know, you. You mentioned, you know, living for that crowd reaction, and you have a connection with the crowd that everybody wants, but you have. What do you, you know, attribute that, you know, deep connection between you and the fans? Um, it's weird, like, it's one of those things where a lot of it has to do with presentation. You know, obviously, like, Gary J is a brand. Unsigned, you don't care is a brand. It's marketing. It's how we conduct ourselves. It's how, as soon as you hear my music, which is very catchy, Joker and a Thief, people start clapping to the rhythm and the beat. And then I walk through the curtain, and then, like, they're mesmerized. And it's not like I'm the biggest dude in the fight. We know that. I'm 170 pounds to fuck around and find out. But, you know, as soon as I walk through that curtain, I demand people's attention. And then I have a personality. So many wrestlers go out there and they do their matches or their fights, and they forget there's an audience. If you don't play to them, they're not going to play to you, and they're not going to emotionally invest. If you can tell a story through what you're doing and have people connect to you, it's easy. But, you know, unfortunately, people don't know that, or they, they lose sight of that, and then they can't get that connection with their audience. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, you could be five foot nothing... And with your personality, act like you're seven foot. And oh, people will believe it. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
perception and personality go a long way to me. Obviously, knowing what you're doing in the ring and being physically ready and conditioned to be in a professional wrestling also takes you very far. But if you don't have all of those tools, then you're just going to be out there wrestling for yourself. I don't go out there and wrestle for myself. I wrestle for the audience. They're the paying customer. Right. If they're not paying, then I'm not getting paid, and there's a problem. Yeah, and like you said, if you don't have all the tools, I always felt like wrestling was when you go to school, they give you all the tools, and now it's your job to pop, to try and use them in the proper way. And not everybody oh, yeah. gets that. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. I've also been doing this just about under or around 20 years. So, like, it's not like. In 2003, I walked through the curtain, I, and I am who I am today. It's a very big learning process. It's a very slow learning process. I'm just very, very stubborn. And I realized, you know, early on in my career, it's a marathon, not a race. If you're in this as you're in this like me, and you have a lot of passion and heart, you just got to grin and bear it. You're going to go through a lot of stupid shit. You're going to hear a lot of dumb stuff, what to do, not to do. But you got to figure out what works for you. And what works for the situation you're in. And then you just got to be very, very persistent. This is a business. Professional wrestling is a business. And you have to be a professional at it. You mentioned, you know, being uh, stubborn. How has that helped your wrestling career? And how has that hindered your career? Oh, I mean, it's, it's helped my career because 20 years later, and I'm still doing it because I am stubborn. Because I still... <laughs> want more like i've done a lot of cool stuff in wrestling and i'm very grateful for any opportunity or anything i've ever done i've traveled all over the country i've you know been paid to do so which is awesome a lot of people don't even leave their couches on the weekends you know so like i'm very grateful for all of that but i want more so like that's where the stubbornness pays off but in other aspects being stubborn in wrestling has affected at times my personal life because one has to break and one has to let be let go. And it's one of those things where, like, I've made a lot of mistakes young and still make mistakes in my personal life that, you know, is because if I wasn't so stubborn, persistent about what I'm doing, it's like you get tunnel vision. So now I'm getting better nowadays, and I've learned that, like, it's okay to have that, like, 50% personal life, 50% professional wrestling. Like, it's okay to have that, like, even keel. Like, so that's where, like, being stubborn has helped and hit me at the same time. All right. Um, you know, unsigned and don't care, do you think that one day you'll change the name of the tag team to signed and do care? <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, there goes all my merch ideas. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know because, like, if I were to be offered a situation where it was financially feasible, and everything was what I wanted. And obviously, you know, you're going to have to grin and bear a couple things. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the future holds. And, like, would we sign a piece of paper to say, you know, we're on this show and get paid this amount? Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I'm like, ah, absolutely I would. But if you catch me on a different day or the right day, I go, you know, I don't think I would. Because I like that, the freedom I have now. I like the fact that I own my name. I own my trademarks. I wouldn't necessarily want to sign all that off because I've built 20 years worth of that, which to me, 20 years is a long time for something, you know? Yes. So I've built a lot of equity in my name and what I've done. But you could ask me tomorrow and I'd be like, yeah, maybe, absolutely. It might be the best thing to do for me at the time. So it's, it's a very uh, slippery slope or like it's a very difficult question to answer. I don't have like a definite answer. Now, um, I'm a big buildings guy, arenas, you know, Madison Square Garden, um, the um, Rosemont Horizon, Staple, etc., etc. Um, yeah. One of the very famous arenas that you got to compete at was the 2300 Arena. <laughs> Can you tell us about, you know, competing in such a historical building? Oh, man, that was uh, 2009 King of Trios, I believe. Oh, man, so many years ago. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, 
a lot of things that day and weekend didn't go my way or everybody else's way in the match that I was I was in. But you know, that's no here nor there. But if we're just talking about the experience, it was awesome. I'm a huge uh, ECW guy, and you can't see this, so you might be able to see, but I'm wearing an ECW Japan shirt right now. Uh, so I knew everything about that arena, the ins and outs, and how important it was to finally one day walk in that building. We walked in that building that day, and I actually cried. I think I've said this before in public. I walked in ECW arena, because that's what I started calling it, and I cried because it meant that much to me. And just being able to compete there was awesome. It was definitely on the bucket list for old Gary J. And, you know, now I can say I've done it. I would definitely like to go back now and who I am and my, my performance now and my character now. I'd like love to go back there right now because it'd be a whole different situation. But overall, it was it was amazing. Like, I'm like, I've got goosebumps and I'm like geeked up just thinking about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely one of... You know, it's not, you know, at the size of AT&T Stadium, but it does have that prestige. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I love wrestling in, in, like, niche places like that. Like, obviously, ECW was kind of a niche, you know, for yeah. a time. And, like, it was the underground cool thing. And, like, the fact that I got to walk into those, you know, in the down that aisle and, like, walk to the ring and wrestle, like, Regardless of what happened in the match, like, that will always stand out in my mind. And then, like, it's obviously an iconic building. In professional wrestling, there's a couple buildings you'll say, and that, to me, the ECW Arena or, or the 2300 Arena, like, people don't automatically know what that is. Yeah. Now, uh, you competed for uh, CCW, and... Um you even uh, competed against uh, John Silver. I bring that up because my co-host uh, trained with John Silver, and he would have mad at me if I didn't bring it up. <laughs> um, yeah. So could you tell us about working for CCW and uh, competing against John Silver? Oh, absolutely. Like, basically, like, CCW was another thing that, you know, I watched in 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And I was like, man, this stuff's nuts, and, like, I'd love to be there. You fast-forward years and years later, I finally get there, and regardless of what you think of the man that ran CZW and the letters of CZW now, to me it holds history, and those letters mean something to me. So when I walked into that building for, for that company, those letters were like, this is awesome. And I became kind of a regular there, and then eventually you put me in the ring with someone the caliber of John Silver, it was awesome. That's my favorite match I had at CZW was against John Silver. It was awesome. Uh, that dude's good. And obviously, the fact that he's on TV every week tells you how good he is. Oh. Beyond good. Like, just so, so good. And once again, like we talked about earlier, he has a character. He has a personality. He gets it. And then, But in ring, he also gets the job done, too. So that's another bucket list thing is uh, being at CZW and then having a match at that level against John Silver was awesome. So that's definitely my favorite match from CZW. Awesome. Now, uh, you know, we've been talking about a lot of promotions that you've uh, competed in, and you've competed in a lot of companies. Your Ray will um, travel at this point. Um, and yet, simultaneously, you are synonymous with Anarchy Pro. So what does it mean to you to be virtually everywhere in every company, so to speak, and still be that company man for Anarchy? Oh, uh, Anarchy is my home. St. Louis Anarchy is it's my bread and butter. Uh, I am obviously one of their champions. I just lost the title to Derek Neal at Cirque's Maximus. Uh, but, like, obviously I'm an on-screen character, as I say, but I also deal a lot to do with the day of, uh, I deal with a lot of the talent myself. You know, there's a couple of us that help run the company, but uh, it's home. And like the fact that like that's the reason there's a Gary J because like I was put in the right positions at the right time, and I got to like sink or swim. And I got put in the ring with some of the best in the world for St. Louis Anarchy in Spalding Hall, which at this time I feel Spalding Hall is another place that is like a bucket list place for people to wrestle. I wrestle there every month. <laughs> you know, like, it's awesome. 
And like the St. Louis, like St. Louis Anarchy, that's something. The St. Louis Anarchy atmosphere and the brand, and then the fans themselves are awesome. So like, it's awesome going everywhere, putting the miles in, brother, brother, and you know, <laughs> going territory to territory. Like, and people always are like, "Well, you're from St. Louis Anarchy. That's awesome." The fact that St. Louis Anarchy's built their name up enough and I've helped that, it's cool shit. So yeah, it's definitely like a proud dad moment. <laughs> And you mentioned, you know, a Spalding Hall, and it seemed, and we were talking about the uh, the 2300 Arena a minute ago. It kind of seems like Spalding is kind of becoming low-key, like a 2300 Arena for um, Anarchy. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's home right now, and it's crazy, like, if you know the history between Anarchy and that building, like, ups, downs, and round and rounds, but, you know, that's where we are, and, like, fact that we still get to run there and like what's crazy it's just this random building in all illinois there's nothing crazy special about it but you put our fans in there and you put our ring in there and it's just it's like this magical thing that happens once a month it's awesome like you can't book or produce that it just happens and like you can you can off you can often replicate like what that is and a lot of people have tried but you can't duplicate it there's only one st louis anarchy and there's only one anarchy atmosphere. So, like, the fact that people put that on their bucket list of buildings to go to is 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 nuts. Like, once again, like, it's a proud parent feeling. You know, it's it's quite interesting. You know, it seems like the St. Louis area of anarchy and everything around it. You know, it's very connected between the wrestlers, the promoters, the fans. And it just feels like there's, like, a genuine love there. And it's it, but St. Louis, you know, obviously has produced some incredible wrestlers, but doesn't get the credit of being one of the major cities of pro wrestling, like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philly. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you know, and I get that, and, like, at the moment, you have Glory Pro Wrestling, you have St. Louis Anarchy, or like the big dogs, as I say, and then you have Davey Richards, who runs a school, Team Ambition, hashtag our city, in St. Louis, so like, Davey Richards' name speaks for itself. Yes. Uh, he's got students, and he's got coaches there that travel everywhere and do what they do best. Uh, you have myself, who's like an island of my own, and I'll put myself in that island, because like, I'm not quite hashtag our city or team ambition, but like, you know, I, I fight for my city per se, but at the same time, when like you think of Gary J, obviously you think St. Louis because of the reputation you have myself, you have Davey Vega, you have Matt Fitchett, Grindhouse slash besties. I mean, like, and we've been around for a while building the foundation of what St. Louis wrestling is now, because for a while, it wasn't the strongest, but like we've been here the whole time, just building that reputation and that foundation. And it seems like over the last, let's say, year, people are finally like, "Oh man, St. Louis is like fucking incredibly talented and got so many great things." It's like, yeah, we've had this shit for years. You just haven't opened your fucking eyes, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So like, it's slowly building up the reputation that it deserves. And like, yeah, low key, St. Louis overall in like the scene, as we say, is fuck. It's popping. It's hot as shit. It's like some of the hottest stuff around, like, better than any other, like, area or territory, as I say. All right. Now, uh, can you tell us about your documentary? Oh, that was awesome. Uh, it's funny because I, uh, I'm pretty private about a lot of my personal life and, like, pretty private about, you know, most things that really happen in, in my life. But I was like, man, like... I love documentaries and I'm a huge wrestling fan and I'm like, I've seen so many wrestling documentaries. I'm like, man, it'd be cool to like be a part of one of these and put my own story to it. And, you know, I talked to Zach Ruber and he's like, dude, I'd love to do something. He's like, I've always wanted to do a documentary. He's like, I'm a really big fan of yours. So we ended up getting really close. And then like, I don't know if you've watched the documentary, like yes. it tells a story about like, who I am and what I am, but it also shows the wear and tear that professional wrestling, had in my personal life like i kind of mentioned earlier and how it's okay not to be okay a men mental health right now in 2022 is like 
a real big struggle with a lot of people. It's just a lot of people don't talk about it. Right. And I kind of wanted to put it out there like, it's okay to be fucked up and not be okay. You got to realize that, like, you have to take care of yourself before you take care of anything else and going to therapy and getting help and talking to that third party about your mental health will help you tremendously. And that's definitely in the documentary. And it's just cool to see, like, the finished product was fucking amazing. And, like, I was really happy with it. And I'm hoping that, like, someone watching it gets it and watches it and goes, that's a really good story because, like, you really get to see who I am as a human being, not just Gary J at the, in the ring, you know, knocking people out, you know? Right. And, you know, like you said, you're uh, a more of a private person. You don't really show that, the, your personal side of things. And watching the documentary, you really bear your soul. Like, you put it all out there. So how was that, you know, being so private and then, you know, putting everything out there for the world to see? Um, it was interesting. Like, I was all for it. I was game. But I remember the, uh, I got, I got the documentary like a couple of weeks before it got released on YouTube. So me and my girlfriend, Brittany, sat there and watched it and like i'd never had so much anxiety in my life it was just weird because like you are putting yourself out there and like i wasn't necessarily worried about people like bashing me or shitting on me but i'm like man like they're gonna see me as like like a human being like a lot of people look at wrestlers or things they watch as entertainment as like superheroes but once again that all reverts back to like you you ask like the connection the emotion you build with a crowd is like they're gonna go man, he's just like us. Like, I love this guy. Like, he's just like us. He's been through good and bad in both sides of the spectrum, and he continues to move forward. So, like, that also adds another layer to, like, having fans emotionally invest in the meat as well. It's a huge, big picture that a lot of people in wrestling don't think about. So it was definitely uh, interesting because obviously, like, there was some real personal stuff in there that got put right out there, but you know what? It was time, and it was done very tasteful. That was my biggest thing. I wanted it to be done in a very tasteful way to be like, look, it's okay for shit to be messed up and crazy. But, you know, grown-up Gary J has grown up, and he's learned, and, you know, he's been taught and taught himself that, like, yep, I was a shithead in the past. I've done dumb shit. We all have. <laughs> but you make mistakes, you learn from them, and you move on. And, and we're in a situation, and we're in such an era of, like, the Twitter community where, like, they can be very judgmental. And I don't live and die by Twitter or social media at all. But Nobody should. One, one foul swoop on Twitter, and you could be done or canceled, you know? What? So it's one of those things where, like, I don't think just because Bob and Dick and Tom did something stupid years ago, they should be upright, uprooted, and condemned to hell. But then there's the other, uh, sorry, I ran. There's the other side of the spectrum where people in wrestling have done horrific, shitty things and they need to get the fuck out of the business and they should be called out and canceled. It's a very slippery slope and it's so interesting to see how, like, that all happens. Sorry, I can go on, like, a diatribe and rant about just about anything. <laughs> oh, no worries. We love the, we love the passion here. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you just said, like, it, it, I, I'm so passionate about all of it. Because I'm so invested in everything I do. It's my job. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it was just really... Having watched it, it was really well done, I would say. And I don't think I've seen a documentary outside of WWE that has been that well done before. Oh, yeah. And, like... When me and Zach first started the project, he was like, yeah, maybe we do like a 10-minute YouTube documentary. I was like, yeah. And then he just followed me around, and he only lives about an hour and a half, two hours away from me. So he came and hung out with me a couple times, got interviews with friends, with Brittany. We, you know, we would just hang out and not film stuff, just be, and we ended up being friends. So that actually helped, too, because then he learned me as a human being and a person, not just someone he's filming a documentary for so a lot of credit should go to him because he put the story pattern in there because when we first came up with the project, we didn't really know what the story would be, but he's like, yeah, we'll just get a whole bunch of footage and uh, we might not use some. I was like, dude, the more footage, the better. And he's like, when do we want this out by? I was like, I don't think we, we put a time 
frame on it. I go, let's just film as much as possible, and we'll know when we're ready. And it kind of just happened naturally. Not something that we, like, planned. It just happened naturally. And then, like like you said, the finished product is awesome. Like, I'm very proud to be a part of it, and I'm, I'm very happy because Zach was wanting to do some kind of a project in wrestling because he's a huge wrestling fan. He just didn't know the right person to go to. And it's another thing. I gave him the opportunity to work with me. I gave him the chance. And then, like, he did. He knocked it out of the fucking park. So, like, a thousand times grateful for that guy. Like, he did awesome. You mentioned, you know, you just recorded a lot of shit. Uh, was there something that was recorded that didn't make it into the documentary that you really wish did? Um, hmm. That's a thinking question right there. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where, like, there was a lot of, like, B footage of just goofing off and, like, joking around and shit. That would have been cool to go in there. But it's also because, I like, it's cool to know that, like, if you wanted to make, like, a five to ten minute YouTube thing of just, hey, here's the B footage of the Gary J documentary of a whole bunch of people just saying fuck and farting and making <laughs> dumb noises. Like, you know, like, a whole bunch of wrestlers being kids, basically, you know, like, That'll come out eventually, I'm sure. So, I kind of see, I kind of see like why some stuff wasn't in the documentary. Well, looking forward to that part too. <laughs> no, you were called um, one of the four pillars of St. Louis wrestling. I believe uh, one of the other ones is Warhorse. Um, what does that mean to you to be so? recognized uh, from the St. Louis? Um, it's interesting because obviously uh, most people know my uh, storied rivalry with Warhorse. Fuck that guy. Uh, and then, you know, Pitch It Vega, the grindhouse at the moment. Uh, it's, it's four guys that pretty much work their tails off and in an area where a lot of times when we first started, oh, many moons ago, we're told you're never going to amount to anything. You're too small. That's not how it's done. Yada, yada, yada. I'm a vet. Bullshit, bullshit. But now people call us the fucking four pillars of St. Louis wrestling. So that's a big fuck you to these old heads that used to tell us that we were shit. It would never amount to anything. Because now I'm paying my bills and keep my lights on. And they're working at Walmart fucking hating their life. Yeah, I'm a little bitter about that. But whatever. Uh. It's, it's cool, like, to know that, like, people in this weird world of professional wrestling look up to me, this kid that's just living his dream and he's happy to be a part of it every time. It's interesting because now it's one of those things where, like, I love being synonymous with St. Louis. I'm very proud of that. I love being a pillar of St. Louis. But it's time for, for other people in the area, and I've said this for a while, to knock us off our pedestal and let them be the four pillars. Or let them be a pillar of St. Louis wrestling. Because I've like learned now, my spot in independent professional wrestling is I want to be the guy or I want to be a pillar in any territory I go to. I want to be someone that goes, shows up, and does their job. And like I said, when you're working with me or you're against me on the card, you're in for a long night and you're going to learn a lot. And you better level the fuck up. And I want the audience to know, fuck, Jerry Jerry J's on the card. I got to go to this show because he's going to give my money's worth and I'm going to see something I don't regularly see. So once again, diatribe about like where I see trajectory and how I feel about the pillars and there being, you know, something that's cool, but I don't want to be known as just Gary's from St. Louis. He's one of the best in St. Louis. I want to be known as Gary's worked his ass off and he's the best anywhere he fucking goes. Awesome. That is great. Um, you know, uh, it's, Gary J, Warhorse, Davey Vega, and who's the fourth pillow? Uh, Matt Fitchett, uh, Davey Vega's partner. Okay. So, you know, that being said, could you tell us about the rivalry with Warhorse? Well, you know, I ripped his face off with a turnbuckle. Yeah, uh, like you do in matches. <laughs> yeah, as I do. Uh, now, basically, it all started with just... Working for Zero One, uh, I like. I remember some promos and some bullshit leading into it, and then obviously that match happened, and then like that jumped our trajectory, and we ended up pretty much doing the territories, as I say, and 
fighting every weekend against each other and making money against each other and people just love the fights. And it's one of those things where like, personally, we don't like each other. But professionally, we can make money together. So at the end of the day, the money's there. I'll see you there, bud. Uh, we're both very passionate and competitive. And that's where a lot of this rivalry started and continues to go. And obviously, War Horse has taken his career in different ways and good for him. But I go do my own thing and I, you know, I kind of lead to the beat of my own drum. As does he in different aspects. So, like, that's where the rivalry started and always will be. It's like, we just don't like each other, but we also know we can make money by punching each other in the face. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to ask, what makes the matches so violent? Because you guys do really go at it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's passion with a fist. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I know it's, it's, it's weird to watch. It's like this weird, like therapy or storytelling. And if you watch any of these matches or fights, as I call them, like there's stories in there. And a lot of people, which is crazy because they get brought up a lot, like have followed this story since the very first one. And then since, you know, he got his face ripped off and then so on and so forth so it's one of those like not enough people do that stuff anymore and like the people that i looked up to in the early years the chris heroes the cm punk the cult cabanas they would go and they would do those those matches everywhere they would go and they, everybody would talk about them that's exactly what me and warhorse did we just upped it with violence all right uh what about matt fitzik matt fitzik oh What's there not to like? That guy's nuts. He is <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, he's the current AAW heavyweight champion, and AAW is ran out of Chicago. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest promotions around right now. AAW is just popping. It's huge. But, Never you know, if you it. talk about Matt Fitchett, what? Never heard of it. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. I was like, really? Living <laughs> under a rock. Uh, so you, you, you have Matt Fitchett, but if you're going to talk about Matt Fitchett, you got to talk about old Spitfire, Davey Vega. And, uh, that dude is on a whole different level at the moment. It's incredibly insane to me. And like, I don't prefer, prefer their preference of who they hang out with these days or like, you know, where they've taken their careers, <laughs> brother, brother, but both those guys are super talented and anytime I'm in the ring one, one of them. To me, it's like painting a picture with violence. It's insane. So, like like I said, you, you mentioned Matt Fitchett. I can't mention Matt Fitchett without putting Davey Vega out there as well. Oh, no, I was, he was up next. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, this next question, uh, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Um, why was your match a match with Davey Vega the first match you let your current partner see? Um, as in, uh, you talking about Brittany? Yes. Oh, I did your research. <laughs> I you probably talk. It's, I don't know, it's one of those things, because that was a long time ago, because me and Brittany's story is a whole story out in itself. Uh, I don't remember the year of the day, but basically I think we've been dating a little bit, and I think it's one of those things where, like, Wrestling is always a part of me, and it was back then, but, like, I also tried to keep, like, church and state away from each other because, to me, keeping my personal life, and I'm still a very big proponent about it, out of professional wrestling is the best thing for business. So it was just one of those things where it wasn't the right time, and then finally I was like, okay, well, once again, I was like, we're running in Spalding, come to the Anarchy Show. Like, it's not just a wrestling show. It's an experience, and... She, uh, she showed up and she found the fuck out. Like, and then she happened to be there for me in Vega and she fell in love with independent professional wrestling. She'd already watched wrestling on TV and watched it with her grandpa. And we were talking about this last night. We were watching like attitude era stuff, but, uh, that was like one of the first times she'd seen good independent professional wrestling, not shit show or shit fed stuff that I make fun of all the time. <laughs> no, uh, you're an Iron Man of sorts. Um, you've had many 60-minute matches, and that's kind of unheard of in independent pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, the first one was the Davey Vega, uh, 
And it's one of those things where, like, you can only do that with the right person. And Davey Vega and then Jeremy White, I've done two with. And he might be a bitter, yelling, you know, old man on Twitter yelling at the clouds, but Jeremy White is probably one of the best professional wrestlers, bar none. Regardless of what his attitude is, the dude knows what he's doing and he does it very well. Uh, so I had the match with Davey Vega many years ago. We went an hour and then... Jeremy White, myself, Journey Pro on a Thursday night and went an hour in a bar with over 500 people there and they were invested the whole time. And then we did it again at Circus Maximus's uh, return or St. Louis Anarchy's return for Circus Maximus last year and went an hour. And the crazy caveat about that hour is obviously doing an hour match is not easy. No. It's very physical and you have to be pretty confident and really good at what you do. But then we're outside last year. We go an hour, and it's about 110 degrees, and I'm not lying. So add that on top of everything else. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a thing that happened. So, like, I'm very proud about, you know, those three matches or that three hours of my life. But it's definitely something I don't like to do all the time. <laughs> all right. Now that does bring us to our next segment of the show. Um, just weird things that have happened to me. Yes. Crazy, uh, bizarre, funny. Um, it's random stuff happens, like. I'm always about talking to fans because, like I said, they buy my merch. And then wrestling fans are awesome. Like, the one common thing we have in common is what we're all here to do and watch and enjoy is professional wrestling. It's really interesting to me, though, that some fans are really terrible with boundaries. And, like, I don't mind, you know, fans hit me up on, on Facebook, DM, or Twitter, or Instagram. If you hit me up, at, you know, in the middle of the day or during the evening, I'll respond. You know, we can have a conversation, but, like, I'll keep it like that. I find it weird when people think it's okay to DM me at, like, midnight, one or two in the morning. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm up, but, like, why are you DMing me at two in the morning? I find that very odd. And it's one of those, like, boundary things that, like, hey, I'm a performer, but uh, yet I'm a human being. And, like, I like to turn my brain off to this at times. And if I'm up that late, I'm probably just watching a movie or... Occasionally, I've been known to read a book. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to talk about your favorite WrestleMania moment at 2 in the morning. You know, I find that to be very odd. So, like, that's a pet peeve, per se. That kind of transitions to a pet peeve thing we were talking about earlier. Like, I'm all for fans, you know, interacting. Let's not DM wrestlers or people at, at 2 in the morning unless you personally know them. That's my, uh, that's my pet peeve. That's how this worked. <laughs> Well, I mean, that could be, like, attributed to time zones. Um, you know, I'm obviously on the east, um, the west coast, which is two hours True. behind you. And, obviously, the um, east coast is uh, an hour ahead of you. And, obviously, you yeah. know, UK and Australia, you know, those in the same places. Yeah, I can understand that. And like, But I guess, I guess if you're DMing me, you should be mindful of, like, well, Gary's in St. Louis. So, like, I guess people don't always think about that. I don't know. Like, once again, like, I, I can see that side of it as well. But it's just, it's weird to me. Because to me, I'm so used to, like, it's 3 in the morning. Why does this person want to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> There's always a good time I, to talk about Steve Austin. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, was, I, I was watching uh, him and Sean's promos leading up to WrestleMania 14 yesterday. Oh, and I was like, man, crowd is so electric. <laughs> that was a really good build-up. It was awesome. And, like, Shawn Michaels is my hero. He's the GOAT. He's the best of all time. There's no arguing there with me. Uh, so, like, watching any Shawn Michaels interaction with anybody is always great. But then Austin, obviously, is on a whole different level as, as he is. Well, that does beg the question, who's better looking, Shawn Michaels or Kevin Nash? Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Diesel fan. Diesel... When I was when I when I was a kid in 1995 was my first favorite wrestler, mm. but, but yeah, interesting fact, right? Uh, 
I love Diesel, but I would have to go Shawn Michaels. Better looking. I mean, the two dudes with attitude. You can't go wrong there. But okay, that that's completely fair. But it is. What about Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash in 2022? Who? I'm going to have to go Nash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just saw that question the other day on social media, and I and it was like, Michaels or Nash? And I was like, today or like in 96? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 96, Michaels. Today, Nash. Yeah. Nash stays gracefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, and I... I could listen to him talk about wrestling in stories forever. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, that being said, could you tell us about your love of Robocop? Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, that's the Twitter name handle. Basically, uh, I love all 90s things. I'm a big 90s kid. I was born in 85, so like the first five years of my life I don't remember. But then we hit the 90s, and I'm like, man, everything's awesome. Ninja Turtles, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, industrial rock from the 90s, alternative rock from the 90s, 90s music, 90s sitcoms, Full House, Boy Meets World. Oh, I could go on for days. But anyways, RoboCop. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, they're so corny and bad. I love them, you know? Like, I love those movies. And then I was watching one night, and I needed I – was, I was on Facebook or MySpace or whatever – and I was like, oh, what's this Twitter thing? I need to start one. I was like, what's a goofy thing? Because I'm a very goofy person. So like, I was like, I need like a goofy Twitter handle. And I, I was watching RoboCop. And I think he was like, oh, you can call me Chris or whatever his name is. But they call me RoboCop. And I'm like, huh, stiff Robo Ginger. That's how my mind works. So <laughs> I just made that my Twitter handle. And it became like my nickname. And I kind of just went with it. <laughs> All right, you mentioned Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah, Topanga. Uh, I love Boy Meets World. I just recently found out there's a podcast about the show, really? and I need to dive into that, like, today. That sounds interesting. I was a big fan of Boy Meets World as well, considering oh, that, yeah. you know, it went from, what, um, middle school to them grown up and married and... Older? Yeah, and you don't. It's all, and then, and then you had the spinoff in the like years and years later of Girl Meets World, which lasted a season and a half, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, and yeah, I'm here for it. And then really have the legs as Boy Meets World because you know Disney and wholesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I agree. But it was still fun. It was nostalgic. Yes. Just like I prefer the the show Fuller House. I prefer that over the original Full House. I'm weird. Really? Yeah. I love the Fuller House. It was fucking awesome. Okay. You also mentioned Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your love of Batman. You oh, I love Batman. You have a Joker uh, tattoo, I noticed. Uh, yeah, well, he's tattooed on my arm. <laughs> That's the uh, Joker's Asylum cover. Uh, I love Batman because... It's funny, like, I always think of myself, I'm like, why couldn't my parents been killed in an alleyway in front of me? Then I could be a fucking superhero. <laughs> but that's the way my brain works. Uh, no, it, it's just a fun story. And I've always been a huge Michael Keaton fan, so obviously him and Batman and Batman Returns. Like, I loved all the movies. Even Schumacher's insane, bad versions I love. Uh, I was a really big fan of the one that just came out, The Batman, with uh, uh, the vampire kid. I forgot his name, but he did great. Um, Loved it. Uh, Patrick something. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Who knew a vampire would turn into a bat and he would be really, really good? Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. I don't know. I, I'm really big in, into Batman. Like The animated series I remember watching, and I own them all now on DVD, even though I don't need DVDs anymore because of streaming services, so I just wasted my fucking money. Stupid. Uh, the animated series is just so well done, and like you can see so much of its, its influence in the, in the shows today, like the, the animated shows and the comic books and the movies. And recently, I just 
started watching Harley Quinn on HBO Max. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Are you on season one or season two? What are you? I'm only like episode five or six deep into season one, so no spoilers, but I loved every second of it so far. Okay, no spoilers, but it gets better. <laughs> oh, how does it get better? I'm excited. I'm going to have to cancel my plans for the rest of the month. That's what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. And season two was uh, pretty good as well. It's just... Yeah, it's crazy. Have you ever watched uh, Birds of Prey? There's two seasons. It's Batman's daughter. Uh... Was that the one on it, um, CW? Yeah, it was on CW for two seasons. And the first season, I remember, I recently just watched it back. It was really good. And then season two, it just completely falls off and it's terrible and I didn't finish it. But season one of Birds of Prey, I suggest anybody to rewatch now and go, oh shit, this is pretty fucking good. I'm always, like I said, if you got Batman in the title or has something to do with Batman, I will watch it to give it a chance. I'm the same way. I haven't been able to... I, that's definitely on my list, but I haven't been able to really get into that yet. Yeah. But no, Holly Quinn awesome. You know, I have Batman the Animated Series on DVD as well. And Hell yeah. I mean, the reason being is, you know, yeah, it's on HBO Max and all those good shit. But, you know, if the Wi-Fi goes out, you don't need a Wi-Fi connection for a DVD. Nope. And, and I'm weird. I'm sentimental with things. I like having those, those, the, I like the, you know, the cases with the cool artwork on it. The same thing with like my wrestling DVDs and all my ROH DVDs or like WWF E DVDs. Like I have that. Like oh, I have this like memorabilia because it's like got the cool artwork and the match listings and like I'm weird about that stuff. No, you're preaching to the choir because I have every <laughs> WWE pay preview from 2001 to 2012 on DVD. Wow, that's an incredible library. I wish I had every ECW pay per view on, on uh, DVD. I have a lot of stuff on VHS, but the ECW stuff, obviously, I'm primed for. But yeah, yeah. one day I'll add that to my collection, maybe. I couldn't really get into VHSs, and, you know, obviously VHSs are, like, um, like, you have to go into, you have to excavate to find one, you know, get a archaeologist oh, yeah. to, to, to find one. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, no. Most people's VHS players are sitting by their Ataris, <laughs> or ColecoVision. <laughs> Can I get a ColecoVision with that VHS player? Funny you bring up ColecoVision. Mine, the name of my other co-host is Coleco. Hell yeah! Because of that? Huh? Because of ColecoVision, or is that just a, a happenstance? I don't know. I know that he doesn't really appreciate it. <laughs> I always, I make the joke. You know, do you have a sister named Atari? <laughs> oh, Atari. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have, again, all those DVDs, and he said, you know, you know there's like a WWE Network, right? But, like, yeah. there wasn't one back then. Like, the only no, not at all. You had to re the only way you could replay those shows was if you had them on DVD. Oh, absolutely. Yep. All right. Let's get into a controversial subject. Pineapple well, on pizza. What's your stand? Oh, there's no controversy at all of that. I'll tell you my answer right now. And the whole world needs to hear this. Pineapple belongs on pizza. It's amazing. It's sisterly. It's flavorful. And if you want to up your game, if you pineapple pizza haters or pineapple pizza lovers want to up your game with that, dip it in ranch. Deal with it. I heard about the dipping in ranch, and that's something that definitely interests me. I, I would do ranch. Oh, ranch goes on everything, and you can ask anybody around me. I put ranch on just about everything I eat because I clearly have problems. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's your spirit Pokemon? 
Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't really follow Pokemon. Uh, I'm going to say I'm Charizard just because I know that name. <laughs> All right. Not mad at it. All right. What is question I will be asked on a wrestling podcast? Would you ever consider wrestling a rock? Not Dwayne Johnson, not the country, an actual rock. Uh, like, just like a rock that's like a big boulder? Uh, okay. sure. Why not? I'm sure it wouldn't budge or move unless I roll it down a hill. Alright, well, just for context, there's this wrestler named Psycho Mike that wrestled an actual rock for over 15 minutes in a Tungsten Man match, an Iron Man match that lasts for two weeks. Is this real? That happened? That happened, yes. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely a sight to behold. It was a thing that happened, as I say. It's a thing that happened. And also a thing that happened, he didn't win the match. Well, yeah, he booked it, so he put himself over. No, he didn't win the match. Oh, he did? Nope. That's a hell of a team player right there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, the, the, the Rock was the world champion. He couldn't let go of the title. Oh, yeah. You got to build the next Rock pay-per-view. I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we love Tracy Smothers on the show. Do you know the acronym for Doug? T-H-U-G. Oh, man. You know, I do know it, but now... Hold on. I'm going to mess it up, so I'm not even going to try butchering it. I know it. And, you know, it's a shame that we lost Tracy because that's a vast – that guy, in his knowledge of professional wrestling, is insane. And as you've heard through everybody, like, he's definitely missed. Uh, what is – it's uh, uneducated something. Not, now I sound like an idiot. <laughs> I could, I could uh, do it for you. It's T is for terrible. H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail, because a dog can't spell. <laughs> I knew it had something to do with that. <laughs> Have you had any encounters with uh, Tracy? Uh, yeah, we used to. Uh, I've worked a program with him in Ohio in AIW years and years ago, me and the Smith Squad. Uh, we're feuding with him, Jock Sampson, and I believe uh, Marion Fontaine. So we did a couple matches in a program together. Uh, not in the in the later years, I wasn't really around him, but in the earlier years of my career, I was. But yeah, like once again, like you 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 say the name Tracy Smothers, and everybody's got a story. Everybody remembers, you know, what he's done and you know who he is. So like I said, it's just a shame that we lost him. You mentioned Jock Sampson. Could you tell us uh, your opinion on Jock Sampson? <laughs> uh, very entertaining. Uh, it's been a long time since I've actually seen him in person. Because, like I said, it's been so long ago. But it was always fun to work with him. I love his promos. I still watch his promos, and I find him very entertaining. I ask because we've had um, a lot of the people that wrestle um, what he is. And nobody yeah. has a good thing to say about Jock Sampson. <laughs> you say no one has a good thing to say about Jock Sampson? Yeah. It's kind of like huh. a running gag on the show. Ah, uh, okay. I was like, I'm not on the inside here. I'm just a spectator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, man. Hopefully the fuck out of the business. Um, <laughs> I, you know... It's one of those things where, like, I've learned in the last couple of years, and, like, I kind of, in the documentary, touches on it. I like to help people that love wrestling as much as I love it. So, it's, I have, like, a crew of kids. They're not really kids, but I call them kids that I travel with and help and, you know, like, help them progress to get where they want to be in wrestling. So, like, it's one of those things where, like, I see myself maybe in five years, like, not being in ring everywhere, but I'd much rather be more of a backstage coordinate or like a uh, an agent because I think independent professional wrestling 
on certain levels needs agents to help coordinate stuff, to help the shows progress and help people learn and get better. So I see myself being like a teacher or an agent if I'm not just still, you know, running with, with my fucking full steam ahead attitude I have now. And I really, you know, that's very respectable and commendable as well. Um, what is a match that people should go out of their way to see that that shows off what uh, Gary J is all about? Oh, uh, I've had a lot of them, but uh, ironically, uh, at Brian Puro, uh, at their last show, I fought Jay Freddy in the main event, and uh, that's on IW dot was IW.TV or IWTV, yeah. the uh, streaming service for independent professional wrestling. Most people know what that is, I'd hope, if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely check out my match with Jay Freddy. Uh, physicality, storytelling, and emotion all wrapped in one, and that's what I'm all about. Is there something we could find on, um, on YouTube? Oh, absolutely. Uh, anything I've done... From St. Louis Anarchy in the last six months is on YouTube. Uh, from January on, we've just, uh, it's all on YouTube, so definitely check it out. Uh, my match with Anthony Henry is great. My match with Billy Starks is great. My match with John Wayne Murdoch's up there. Like, just look up St. Louis Anarchy on YouTube and you'll find it. Right, I'll put on, uh, I'll put the matches specifically with Billy and Anthony in the description of the video below. Um, so if anybody that hasn't seen them or wants to check them out after this interview, they can. Oh, absolutely. Alright, uh, and since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of things. This is our speed round, our bonus round, the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready? Yeah. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Shawn Michaels. Worst wrestler. Worst wrestler of all time, British Bulldog. Ooh, interesting. Your main event in WrestleMania for the World Championship, who is your opponent? Who's my opponent? Aaron Williams. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Undertaker's. Which one? Um, I'm a really big fan of all of them. So probably his late, his newest one. Okay, so just uh, the classic. the gong lights out. Yeah. Okay. Um, finish the sentence. Kayfabe is. <laughs> Kayfabe is dead. Uh, now. Kayfabe is something that's not taught. Kayfabe is something that is not taught. That's interesting. We also would have accepted Tastes Great on Toast. Huh. Yeah, I'm not a big Toast guy, but we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> squash, fruit or vegetable? Uh, squash. Um... I think it's a vegetable. It's a fruit. Oh, no! <laughs> it's a uh, tomato logic. Oh, tomato, tomato. To yes, uh, but you're part of Squash Squad now, and that means a hell of a lot. Huh. New Japan wrestler Taichi, his ring deal gets smaller every year, revealing more of himself to the world. My question... What is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for Ringio? I never really thought about that one. Um, I guess if I had to choose, think about Tyler Black and Ring of Honor. That, that's about appropriate. Alright. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen. Um, no, I have not. I really don't talk about Darby Allen at all with anybody. And that is the correct answer. 
that will conclude this. Glad episode. I passed that one. Huh? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me, uh, Gary. Oh, no problem. I had a blast. I love talking about this one. I will talk about anything. I like to hear myself talk, as you probably found that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like ta- listening to you as well. I appreciate it. And where can we listen to more Gary J um, on social media, merchandise, etc.? Basically, uh, anytime you want to look into my merchandise or, or Aaron Williams merchandise or unsigned don't care merchandise, just go to fullygimmicked.com, put my name in the search bar, Presto Changeo merchandise. Right there, you can buy it at a click of a button. And then on social media, my Instagram is unsigned and don't care 85. My Facebook is Gary J, J Y. And then on the Twitter machine, at Stiff Robo Ginger. Alright, and you know, no need to look, be looking for those links. Uh, no need to type them into your Google machine. All of those links will be in the description of the video below. Go on YouTube, CastBox, Google Podcast, everywhere else you are. Um, simply click the link, you will be on that page. Um, you've been listening to him for a little over an hour. By a damn short. Um, of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment, put on YouTube and CastBox. Join us next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday as we interview. We have other interviews coming up. Um, follow us at Wrestling E, both on Twitter and Instagram for latest news on who we're interviewing, when we're interviewing them, links to those interviews, and more. Um, you can follow me at JC993. You can follow Coleco at I am Coleco, and you can follow Scooter at Scooter's Dust. And of course, on the remix, the only live alternative commentary for WWE event, now only on YouTube. Uh, and of course, on the Smoking Dra- uh, Dragons uh, Twitch stream. Um, Alright, Gary, when I say wrestling wit, you say entertainment, okay? Not a problem. For our very special guest, Gary J, Calico Yachts, Good of Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling Wit Entertainment! Hey folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Enjoy the show, support these guys, we appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.